Welcome to the Lamasaurus with Lame Ken and Lame Timber. Hello, I'm Lame Timber. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here alongside Lame Ken. Hello. Yes, as you can see, this is a, as what what I call on my other podcast, uh, Dos Compadres episode here, as it's just me and Timber. Kyo has, uh, his, his voice is like all croak, so we're making him rest his voice, and... Fangirl is busy with mom stuff, so... <laughs> and that's quite alright, because now we're a, a dynamic duo. Everyone's favorite everyone's favorite phrase for describing two people doing a thing together. It's it's us right now, Ken Ken and Timber. How, how, does, how does it feel, Ken? It feels amazing. Wonderful. That's what I hoped to hear. So today, as we never do on this podcast, we might actually talk about video games now. Um... Or topics. So, <laughs> we'll have actual topics with, with actual discussion. Uh, so, to start with, I understand that playing? there was a... Wait, <laughs> what have playing? I been playing? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, when, did that, when did that shift from the, the end of the podcast to the start of it? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, man, which, what you got over there? What's, what, because what were those it, controllers fired up with? Because at that time, we, it would take us almost an hour to get to what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have been playing a handful of both recent and not very recent games. Uh, the most immediate one that, that I played was Paper Mario the Origami King, which came out uh, maybe, God, I don't know, last week? Maybe two yeah, weeks like ago? Two I, I lost track ag- of time a little bit. Two and a half weeks ago, because it came out the same day as Ghost. Okay. Well, I had a choice, and I chose Origami King, because Alchemy Fox came, and, and she absolutely loves the Paper Mario series, uh, even though she admitted that Sticker Star was not a good game. Um, but Origami King, to anybody who was on the fence or didn't know or was like Ken and Kyo last time going like, Hey, Paper Mario, I don't know, man. They don't make good games anymore. Paper Mario is for losers. They the don't. Origami King is actually a good game. There's a lot of key differences with it, which anybody who's like watched the trailers and stuff, you probably already know. Uh, but they have effectively changed the formula quite a bit with it. Some people won't like it if they're hardcore RPG fans. They'll go, this isn't a true RPG. But they've it effectively isn't. turned... It is, well, so there isn't like XP and grind or anything like that, but you still have uh, enemy encounters. And the combat has turned more from being a a turn-based thing where it's like, okay, attack, skill, flee. You don't have those those basic raw mechanics anymore. And instead, it's more of a puzzle game where you're on a timer to try and kind of slide the enemy into combo positions, which is basically just making, that sounds making sure so that you have wrong. stacks. <laughs> stacks of Goombas. <laughs> Uh, so, so basically you're positioning the enemies to do massive damage right so whenever you line them up you get an increased bonus to damaging them and it also means it's not even necessarily extra damage i mean i think you do get a little bit of a damage bonus but mostly it's just the convenience of 
all of Mario's attacks have a certain range or certain effect area. When you jump, it usually goes in a straight line past Mario. So when you have a straight line of Goombas, you're just going to hop, 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 hop. Your turn was literally attacking every single Goomba if you line them up correctly. Uh, with the hammer, it's more of like a short range wide area thing where like the first four blocks in front of you, and I think you can upgrade it to like tackle like the first three blocks in an arc in front of you get hit and then you just kind of combine that knowledge to shuffle or slide enemies around the board so that they kind of best fit into an attack pattern where you can take advantage of those it requires a lot of on-the-fly thinking and despite seeming very simple in practice and the game holding your freaking hand for 45 minutes to make sure you understand how it works before actually giving you a real challenge but once it lets go you start to go, oh, I can actually I can actually suck at this. It is possible to suck at fighting in this game, which uh, was kind of a shocker to me because honestly, the, the tutorial lasted so long I forgot it was a tutorial and I started, go, I started getting cocky and being like, oh yeah, I know how to line up these Goombas in a line. Don't worry, Mario, I know how to do this. I, I got this. And then, and then they, they suddenly, well, then they suddenly come out and they're like, okay, now we're introducing the spiky Goombas and we're going to scatter them to the eight corners of the earth. You have three turns to make this work. I'm like, uh, uh, um, how, how do I make this work? There's, I don't see this Goomba is on the westmost side, uh, six squares deep. The other three are scattered directly in front of me. I guess I could pull these closer to me and somehow I could arc my hammer at them. But oh god, I only have 15 seconds left to make a choice. Ah, uh, <laughs> like that's that's kind of what the gameplay turns into, which is is. It's pretty fun because it's so much more active. A lot of times with uh, our standard JRPG mechanics, uh, you you can spend a lot of time tacticsing, like, for example, Octopath Traveler, where I remember having fights that went for two hours where I was sitting there probably for 15 minutes each turn being like, okay, so if I do this with this guy and this with this, with this guy, then I'm going to poison him like this, and then I'm going to pull out my attack like this. I'm going to use the item that's going to heal the person that I know he's going to kill me with, but he's not going to know that I'm going to have the other person in the back row who's going to have an extra attack that's going to come forward. Like, there's this this deep, multi-layer tacticsing that can happen in some of the more recent RPGs like Octopath. But generally, if you're playing something like Final Fantasy X or one of the older ones, um, the depth kind of stopped with Okay, and then I'm going to heal that damage. I healed it. Oh no, he used toxic. Good thing I put on the ring of protect poison. Now I'm not going to get poisoned. Uh, so I can just go in and stab him with my attack, which is just a normal attack. Right, like there's there's a lot more variety these days, but I feel like with the the combination of the timer and the slide mechanics, so much of it is actively involving your brain to make the attacks land. Because otherwise, you're just you're effectively wasting a move if you don't have them lined up, um, which can put you to disadvantage when they finally attack you. They hit you. Maybe you couldn't block all the damage, and suddenly you're down to ten health. So, so for this line damage, could they go behind you and attack you for more damage? Is that a thing? I think they can. Uh, I haven't really encountered any enemies that explicitly do that. Like, um, like for example, if you don't line up all the Goombas and you forget one and you you purposely left that one behind you and he does attack you does he give you more damage because of that i don't think so because most of the time when they go in for their attacks 
Um, they don't really have an individual attack. They tend to try to combine their powers. So if you leave multiple Goombas on the field, they're suddenly going to be like, okay, we're going to do a Goomba Swarm attack, and now 20 damage. Do they do they origami into a bigger Goomba and then attack you? They They don't really... Interestingly enough, they don't do that. There are giant origami goombas in the game but those are actually wandering world enemies they're not usually something you encounter in your actual battles where more of the enemies tend to be uh, i guess the flat variety for some reason so so how far are you in the game did you beat it or did you find out who the origami king is well, you find that out within like the first hour. The Origami King is like oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the, it's no, it's no mystery. Much like most Mario games, it's like who's the Origami King? It was it me all along. It's not a person. It's a new. So it is a new character to the series who is it's introduced along Bowser. with your new companion. It's not Baby Bowser. Uh, it's not Baby Bowser I... who thinks that it's Peach's his mom again. <laughs> oh my god. I couldn't believe that that was canon when I played Mario Sunshine. Like the fact I, ne- I had never seen that cutscene before. I was literally like, I had assumed it was just the world's head canon until I played that game and I went, "Oh, geez, they actually this is the reality of it." He he never knew his mom and peaches his mom. Okay. Uh, well, it also could be that Bowser Jr. isn't his, his actual son. It's just another person of his race that he decides to to raise. That's kinda true. Like Koopa, kinda like the do, do you really want to sh- shatter baby Bowser's knowledge of the world by being like, son, I have to tell you something. Peach is not your mother. I know dad. Also, I am not your father. What? <laughs> just, just in the same, you know, in this, the sunshine, like sunset talk that he was having at the end. <laughs> also, neither of us are your real parents. I don't know what happened to them. And frankly, I don't know why you're here. Okay. Yes. So that if you want if you want to learn more about your race, you better go see a lot of Wendy Kong. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you better go to the. There's this island where there's a bunch of primates. Uh, one of them has a DK on his tie. Uh, <laughs> they might be able to guide you on the path. <laughs> yeah, they they might play tennis with you occasionally and go on parties. <laughs> Diddy Kong racing Mario Kart crossover when? I don't know. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been like meaning to go in my N sixty four thing because Kyo has also been kind of in this whole whole thing of trying to get N sixty four games now, and so like I have like couple rare things from Blockbuster like I talked about this last episode but like for example I have the Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Snap demo Ooh. cartridges that they put put in for Pokemon Snap Station so. It's a couple of rare things that I have. That just in time for the Pokemon Snap two or whatever they're releasing. Yeah, <laughs> to the, make it obsolete. The, the new Pokemon Snap that makes my machine just obsolete now. <laughs> <laughs> With my old like twelve ten inch CRT television. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think just before we um, before we pivot off of Paper Mario, I do have um, one a couple more things to say about it, which is just. Uh, they do manage to still have the usual clever writing on top of having good gameplay. The music's phenomenal. I personally made it all the way to um, Autumn Mountain, which is kind of this like fall-themed area where they, they're playing like this, this Japanese music. It's really cool. I'm going to try not to spoil anything specific, um, but that's just the aesthetics of it. 
uh, and there's a section of it where you have to do a mini game where you're basically like white water rapiding, right? Like you're just you're just going down down the waters. And the first time you go through it, it's it's like nice. It's like whoa, this is cool. This is such a nice change up from the rest of the gameplay. Just like this this little thing that they did. But then you get to the end, and the guy goes, "Hey, there's something real special in it for you if you manage to collect all the coins on the way down." I went, oh, okay, it's on, buddy. That is like the most infuriating mini game I've ever played. Like it goes from being this fun, oh, I'm just going down the river to, holy shit, I am so pissed right now. I am so mad. I cannot get these coins. I can never get all the coins. I've tried so much. If you have managed to get all the coins and are still a sane human being who isn't just a sputtering mess of a puddle on the floor, uh, just let me know and and let me know how you did it because <laughs> so, I am so, so confused. Which which is harder, that game or trying to get zero 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 on the chocobo racing in Final Fantasy X? Oh, or, man. or dodging 200 lightning. <laughs> okay, easily it's harder than the 200 lightning. I did not mind the the lightning mini game as much. Because, um, yeah. as a sane person that did all of that, <laughs> <laughs> I or, survived those. Where would you rank this? I would I would rank it. the The problem here is you're you're using a boat in the game, and it it steers like a boat. And there are many so times... So it, steer, like, it steers like a hunk of junk, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it feels bad. It feels bad when it's like, okay, you're on the right side, and then the coin's all the way over here on the left, and you're like, okay, let's turn for it, Mario, and then you just watch this boat, like, squeak to the left as the rapids are taking you away, and you narrowly miss the coin as you bash the front of your boat into the side of the riverbank and take damage, and you're just like, Mario... Do shy guys come in and stab stab your boat with spears that make you lose? Dude, I, that would be such a good callback to one of the better mini games for Mario Party. But no, um, most of the time it's just you versus nature, man, and the nature is brutal. And unfortunately, everybody else on your boat besides Mario does not know how to pick up the coins that are arriving at the very tail of the boat, so good luck with that. <laughs> also, if if your boat sinks, do you instantly die because you are made of paper? Uh, yes, yeah. So you, you don't survive. If the boat sinks, which you basically, your life meter becomes the boat meter, and if you take enough damage, you just fail. You just die. Game over. Uh, I think my favorite part about it is, though, the developer knew that people would be raging and retrying this multiple times because there is a hammer button that you can use in the overworld that, when you use it on the boat, damages the boat. So they knew that there would be people who'd be like, damn it, I just missed that coin. Oh, I'm so mad, I could just... And then they just smash the hammer into the boat four so times. They just they have a rage button again. just in case <laughs> if you're yeah. so mad. <laughs> it's like, oh, I could just break this boat in half right now. Um, so basically, so basically, it's just like I accrued too much damage at this point of the game, or at this point of the race. I might as well just give up now and start over. Right. Well, it really comes down to the reward only is given to you if you've collected every single coin. So the minute that you get to a point where you're like, and I missed that. Well, there's no point in finishing the rest of the run now. 
Like it's like a speedrunner who doesn't feel like it's important to practice the end of the run, so they just keep hitting the reset button over and over again because they're like, nope, not a perfect run. Not my PB. Reset. Not my PB. Reset. Well. Um, so besides... I, know that, I know that I'm painting a great picture of, of Paper Mario Origami King. Everything else about the game is phenomenal. And even the boat ride the first time is is pretty interesting and a good change of pace. Mm. It's when you go hardcore. It's it's like it's almost a Donkey Kong sixty four kind of thing where it's like the minute <laughs> you're just, trying I, to I, actually I just do, hear, I can just hear Lou yelling when he's hearing <laughs> this right now. <laughs> uh, the minute you start trying to like one hundred percent and get all the collectibles and have to get all these coins, that's when you go, oh god, I don't like. I don't like doing this. I don't like so, like having to get all the coins. But so basically, if you're being more of a completionist kind of thing of this kind of thing, then it will upset and enrage you, possibly. Maybe, but but I almost view it like Nintendo trying to appeal to both camps that would play this game, where it's like, okay, we're gonna here's the handholdy, you know, like nice and easy game. We're gonna we're gonna give you this tutorial, and then you're gonna you're gonna go a little bit over. Anytime you have a required battle, we're gonna make sure that there's plenty of food and stuff so you can beat it. And then over here, this is the extra camp. And if you think you've got what it takes to get the extra stuff, we'll teach you to think that way. <laughs> like, as as a know. person, as a person who's a frequent visitor of the extra camp here and we'll get more about that in a couple minutes from now well possibly 20 minutes at the rate of this conversation is going uh i i'd like to get everything and this will probably infuriate me and i'll probably break my switch in half there's a reason why i don't play dark souls <laughs> I, I my friend bought me dark souls for the switch and he was like you know you should play this game and i was like because you really like the series and i'm like yeah i really do like the series but I'm not going to play this game on the Switch because knowing me, I am going to be so furious. I am going to break my Switch right in half because I exclusively play the thing in handheld mode. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I think... I remember it being actually worse to do this minigame in handheld because you have less screen real estate, so actually seeing... Like what, the shadows the and directioning, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like your your depth perception's off because you don't have as much screen to work with. Uh, let's see. So that's that's kind of what I what I had to say about Origami King. I'll also say that like the boss designs are really clever, but that goes without saying because it's a game where you're playing a paper version of Mario, so you already know going into it premise wise that it could do whatever the hell it wants to, and Origami King definitely does. I mean. Baby Bowser and Baby Mama Baby Peach. Boozer. We see Bowser at the start of the game, and since then I have literally not seen Bowser, and I'm just kind of sitting here wondering, like, what happened to him? Is he okay? Do you see? Do you see Baby Boozer? I haven't seen any Baby Boozer yet, but I don't Is even Donkey know. Donkey if... Kong in the game? <laughs> Is Donkey Kong in the game? I think I remember there were some interesting easter eggs every once in a while where you just mm. see like little references to things like there is a section where um you visit an inn and you see samus sleeping in one of the beds <laughs> yeah or there was a boss theme and it didn't like nothing about it was thematically relevant but listening to the music i remember just hearing this little snippet of like isn't that the like 
that sounds like the Zelda theme. Like just for a, a brief second, it's like ba ba da 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 da, and then it moves on, and it's just like you know the rest of it's a song. And I'm like, I know you know what you did, Nintendo. I know you know what you did. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I'm trying not to spoil too much because it's so hot off the heels of its release that I know a lot of people want to experience it for themselves. So please uh, do buy. It is good. You will not regret the purchase. Oh, if let, let, let's let's just name this much. I'm running out of things to play, and I think another RPG that is somewhat short and enjoyable and isn't 200 hours or 80 to 200 hours long. I think I'll enjoy a welcome reprieve. Yeah, yeah, so I definitely. May, maybe if I if I can find it on sale somewhere, I'll probably get it. Because uh, but... I've I've heard that it was all right, but. I've had complacency with the series ever since Sticker and and Color Splash. Color Splash got to be the worst one out of the series, in my opinion. That's pretty interesting to me because I remember a lot of people saying that they really thought that there was quite a bit of wit to Color Splash, and most people said Sticker Star was like the unfun one. But yeah, but I, I haven't personally played either of those two. I, I also slept past basically Thousand Year Door. And this is the first one that I've really tried to play since then, mm-hmm. because I also listen to reviews, and when they when they give it a big fat six out of ten, I go, well, I mean, if it was a seven or an eight, maybe I'd try it, because maybe they just didn't get it. But once you get to, like, sixes or fives, that's where you can kind of start to go, well, well even I mean... even even if they didn't get it, there's more to it if they hated it that much right mm. there's got to be something like there's an additional layer of jank or just some some element of of bad premise that leads to truly bomb worthy scores mm. um nevertheless it's it still would probably be worth it to try these days especially because i think uh there was somebody who recently actually mentioned it that the premise of having a point-based review like just the notion of having reviews at all is simply irrelevant in the day of games as a service. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like somebody releases a game tomorrow, and you're like, "This is trash." My review is, "This is trash." Well, a year from now, they probably release like 50 updates, and the game is a totally different game. It's it's not even remotely like what you had played a year ago. So, does that review mean anything anymore? Well. Well, it 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 depends. Like, so I'll I'll get upon this when I talk about what I'm playing. Also, because there's a game where I don't know if the patch would fix the problems that I'm having with this game. It would probably would have to come out with a game of the year version of this game when it comes to it, because the problems that I have with this game is a personal one that I find with certain localizations let's just say it at that much and i don't know if a simple patch would fix it but what games as a service with like destiny i could understand that because the the destiny 1.0 is so much different than what it ended up being before destiny 2 came out it's a much different game and same for Destiny 2. Destiny 2, how I played it back then, is so much different than what it is now. So. Yeah, and I mean, I 
I think that's one of the most. It's it's interesting if it's a game that has been a long time that you kind of shelved and like, you know, I wonder what this is like these days, right? Like that's one approach to it. But on the other hand, you can also end up going back to the familiar and finding it to be a completely alien world um, that you suddenly just have to get used to again. I remember that shock with Team Fortress 2 for me when the last time I'd played it was like 2009 and then I come back in 2014 and I'm like, there's hat- what's with the hats? Uh, and there's there's these guns and they can be turned into scrap and then I can trade the scrap to make other guns and there's like a whole gun exchange where I can pay actual money to get weapons in the game and most people are just buying weapons that have blue in them because they prefer the color so they'll spend real dollars for that like I was just so baffled but of course it's because it went to a free to play model so everything about it was like fundamentally changed from the core of its design principles it was no longer a paid-for game at that point. They wanted to make more profit from it. Um, it's still a good game, by the way. I don't. I, this isn't necessarily to say that things are worse after a change like that, but it can be jarring uh, to to just suddenly go into a completely shifted game. And in some cases, I couldn't imagine it with something from like the '90s. If I went back and and was like, "Okay, I want to play Command and Conquer: Tiberian Sun" because I'm feeling a wave of nostalgia, and I went back. And now they're like, now with updated HD graphics, has has like billowing sand coming out of the dunes, and and Kane was a cool villain and all, but we've now added five different updates, and 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 we've replaced him with this new villain who's even more villainy than the last villain. I'm like, uh, <laughs> right, like, uh, the game kind of gets lost in the updates if if they're too extreme too egregious too transformative i'm I'm curious to see where, where gaming will go in the next few years as this concept evolves because i still yeah. feel like it's relatively in infancy yeah this this next step on me when we get to some of our biggest bigger topics here it will be interesting how the industry is going to grow as a whole from this but so besides paper mario what else have you been playing? Sure. Uh, so, in addition to Paper Mario, the other big, major, like, newish game that I played was Outer Wilds, which it's uh, it's actually been a pretty interesting uh, experience because they have these. Uh, I don't know if anybody, if if you guys have been briefed on it, but basically, it's a open world space exploration game where the whole premise is that you need to to fly around and learn about these ancient ruins that have been populated on on all the planets in your solar system. The solar system being an alien one with alien planets, so they're all kind of weird and wonky with their own um, gravitational quirks. Uh, One example, there's this planet where uh, the crust of the planet is in a state of fracture, and you're actually able to go down underneath the surface of that crust and you see the planet's core at the very center and as time passes more of the i guess crust or mantle of that planet crumbles and falls into the core um and that's part of the other mechanic of this game which which makes it sort of um a lot like majora's mask in that you over time 
the things around you evolve and you kind of need to plan accordingly so that you are at the right place at the right time so that you don't miss the chance to interact with uh, a, a major story progressing item like like part of the ruins or or an interaction with a character or something like that um, so in the, in the example of that planet you would make sure that you get to certain parts of that planet before that crust completely falls into the core um, and there are tons of other planets in the game that are like this that have their own unique mechanics and uh, and physics to them for the price I think it's a phenomenal game uh, especially if you're at all into spacey um, stuff and I think that it really nails the kind of desolate nature of those experiences while still feeling like a relatively it's, it still feels relatively relaxing I remember uh, as I was playing it somebody actually said that it was um, a shockingly therapeutic experience like you don't ever feel like the game is trying to make you feel stressed but because it's space it can't help but feel stressful right like oh I'm, I'm drifting off into space and there goes my ship and I'm, I'm flying 5,000 kilometers away from it but there's some really nice soothing acoustic guitar music going over so I guess I'm not that mad <laughs> oh there goes my oxygen supply it's kind of the the feel of it I guess as a person that, you know, doesn't play these kind of exploration games like Subnautica and No Man's Sky, would you recommend this to someone like me? Or I would, and I think, I think the biggest reason why I would recommend this over something like No Man's Sky or over something like Subnautica, uh, I mean, a lot of people have said Subnautica is really great, and I should probably play that one before I make a, a judgment call on it, but... From what I've seen, they both seem very freeform in their exploration and very loose in any kind of narrative or or kind of underlying purpose to everything. Like, those are very much like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm bumbling around from place to place, doing this thing, doing that thing. Everything about, about Outer Wilds, and, and the reason I keep making comparisons to Majora's Mask is because you are kind of in a... Oh, geez, you are in a time loop scenario. So everybody, you know, is on the clock. You're interacting with characters that are across this solar system trying to piece together a, a mystery to kind of break this cycle and allow you to complete the game in a sense. Uh, and so I, I would say because of the evolutionary element of everything in the game, and I mean everything, all the people, all the planets, the the atmosphere and the weather patterns and the um, just literally the things that you can do evolve so much that every time you set out to a planet to explore it, you will find new things and you'll understand things about that planet that you didn't see the last time you were there that makes it feel um, invigoratingly... Uh, awe-inspiring right it just feels cool it feels more it feels like a live living world right? exactly right whereas something like a uh, no man's sky or a subnautica or an arc like yeah it's cool that i get to run around i'm gonna use arc as the example because that's the one that i played the most of it's cool that i get to run around and interact with these dinosaurs because i like dinosaurs but once you've 
gone through the the game cycle of okay then i i get the the wood and i make my tools and i use those tools to to create a blow dart and i blow dart the dinosaur now i have a dinosaur i use that dinosaur to kill another dinosaur now i have an army of dinosaurs now i have spacesuits and and guns and i guess i am done there's no end game to, to, to that kind of thing. It's just kind of like, I progress until I'm sick of progressing. Outer Wilds is not at all a progression game. There isn't really, like, you're not crafting anything in this game. Uh, it is purely about the exploration and the discovery. The tools at your disposal are the tools that you'll use from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. Um, so you don't really necessarily have to worry about it being too focused on the idea of like, oh, am I going to have enough berries to survive the winter? Or am I going to, you know, can I get enough wood to build another piece onto my space port? Like you don't, th- that's not the premise of the game at all. I, I would say that they're really not at all like in terms of that element. It's not crafting survival. Well, I it's mean, a very, it's, it's a diff- it definitely piqued my interest just a bit. It's a very, um, it's a very unique experience. I don't think, like, the closest comparison I could make is, like, some kind of cross between Subnautica and Majora's Mask, but it's really its own thing. Mm. Other than those, um, I also played Portal 2, <laughs> which uh, I wanted to get the final achievements in the single player because I had literally never seen the boat and was disappointed to see that even if I do do the achievement, I still cannot see the boat. I just see a little thing that says the name of the boat on it, and I don't know why this mattered to me randomly in 2020 after Half-Life 3 had already been basically confirmed dead, but um, that's that's what I did. Uh, Gladys is still funny. Cave Johnson, I would say his character has not... The, the years have not been as good to his character... <laughs> Uh, perhaps because he's grown too similar to actual people that I can think of in my real life, and the fact that that man could be real is terrifying to me. <laughs> uh, when previously he was an alien comical caricature, you know. Uh, so it's like, mm, this hits too close to home now. But uh, once upon a time, he was he was really interesting, and uh, you know, make the world take the lemons back. Was there cake? Uh, there was no cake this time, although I did get confetti. Apparently it was the last of the confetti. <laughs> Is there anything else that you've been playing besides those three for the most part? I think that kind of covers it. The only other thing is that I do have a... So uh, part of the reason I hadn't played too many games was because I did work on my Witcher picnicking peasant video... Uh, and I finally got it edited together. I decided to turn it into a series because there was no way I was going to be able to condense that all into a single video. But the first entry about Care Morin is going to be releasing on my channel tomorrow at about 8.30 p.m. Eastern. By the time you watch this, you'll have already missed the premiere, but you can still watch the video. Uh, and uh, you can just go to youtube.com slash to watch that <clears throat> kind of early promo. Besides that, uh, no, I, I haven't really played anything, but I do understand that you've had your hand in a few... Um, video game delights yeah so i've been playing ghost of tsushima as i started to say last episode so i finished as of as of then uh i give it a very solid nine what's keeping it from being a 10 for you 
to be perfectly honest, the Japanese translations. The Japanese translations and the jumping mechanics. I briefly mentioned it last time. So you can only climb at a certain amount of rocks. They don't give you a indication of which rocks are okay to climb or be standing on. And if you are on a, unfortunately, non-standable rock, you slip. You just slip and fall and die. So there are a couple times where I've just thinking I can jump to there or jump onto this rock. It's not a rock that I could stand on. I slip and I fall to my death. I've died one too many times from that oh, simple I, occasion. Yeah, I've played lots of games that have that sort of thing. I don't know what engine it is, but there's a very specific one that loves to make its standable surface textures and its, this is just part of the geometry textures, look frighteningly similar. So I know exactly the, the kind of behavior, though, where it's like, okay, I want to stand on this rock now, and then it's just like, nope, that's actually just a part of the slope. Okay, thanks, game. Yeah, so it's... Th th there's that, and just... There are so many translation errors from either the English side or the Japanese side that is just very interesting that, that I just don't understand why they couldn't get certain things right or couldn't get names correctly. So, for example... This is near near the tail end, or one of the quests is near the tail end, where you have to give flowers to this to this cemetery because the guy died before he could give flowers, and the main character Jin was like, "Well, I should at least honor this guy's last wishes to give the flowers to his girlfriend's grave." So. You go to all these other graves just to kind of be like, okay, this isn't this person, this isn't this person. There are seven graves that you can interact with. Four of them had different names from what Jin says in Japanese and the subtitle says from what it was. Oh, no. So it could be that the names are those names in English but it kind of gets to that point then why are you guys not holding the same names right especially yeah if it's if it's not consistent i feel like that's something that they might very well patch because it seems it seems like it's detrimental to the gameplay experience if the translation literally gets in the way of you being able to complete a like a relevant story bit it's it's like a throwaway line. It's just like I'm going to give flowers to Larry, but the subtitle says Jim. Oh, <laughs> it's like so tonally different that I'm just like, why why are the names so different? <laughs> hmm. It's like the four so, kids translation dub of uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. And then like I. There, there are certain things that I understand. I understand that probably how the translations and the subtitles were, it was going to be different because of how Japanese pronounces titles towards people during this age and how the translations would probably do it. 
So there, uh, obviously the the subtitles don't match on several occasions when you're talking about certain people, either by names or by titles. So it, it's there's several interesting like tidbits. Like as a if I was to be a translator and trying to translate this game over, it'd be very interesting to pick that person's brain to see what they're thinking, and I would just make it all match to be perfectly honest but it's also because they had to the i i, I don't know if you listened to the last episode I, I brought this up last time where the it's a japanese inspired game made from a western developer so but the western developer put all the vocal limp syncs to western the western dialogue so when it got dubbed in japanese it's like reverse samurai cinema where the oh, Japanese could be saying, saying the 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 line. It could be shorter or longer compared to what it, the actual actor is saying in the English side. So, as somebody who usually listens to the dub, they actually did the thing that would be beneficial for me because it's actually synced to how the dub would sound as opposed to the actual Japanese subtitles. Even though it's kind of. A Japanese game, so yeah, it's yeah, it's so. not only is it a Japanese game, but from what I saw of Ghost of Tsushima, it's highly entrenched in Japanese lore as well, to the point where it's yeah, like, they, why they, would it they focus do... more on the dub? Yeah, it's it's interesting because this game is a very good game. I I give it all the high praises it could, but as a person who loves Japanese media and knows Japanese for a very good certain extent and translates stuff, it, it kind of bugs me. <laughs> Just, just a, a little bit, and that that kind of takes me out just a little bit. And I know some people would just say, "Well, why don't you just play the game in English?" But the thing is, this is a game that is a love letter to Japanese cinema, Japanese samurai cinema. And I would, it it would be like me playing Red Dead Redemption Two in Japanese. That's something that you. It would just sound so weird if you were to play the game in English kind of thing or in a different language kind of thing i'm just trying to imagine what some of that dub might sound like if it was just uh especially if it's the kind of thing where like they do an anime sometimes where it's like well we know that this is set in a western area so every so often we're going to try and say an english word in the japanese dub <laughs> yeah so it's like so uh, like they they they, they... They mention certain things like they 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 mention the caste system that was in the samurai code and stuff like that. That that does get some translations over that does it correctly. But sometimes they mention the uncle's name when it was just meant thing like master or lord instead or something like that. So just just a little nitpicky things, but overall the game is great. I've on my first playthrough of this game, I've pretty much almost 100% completed this game. And that tells you a lot of things because I I like to go hard on a lot of 100% in games. But I never had as much fun as I did doing that with this game in a long time. And it's I would do it for all the other games too. Like all the other games that I've been playing since the pandemic hit so like for example um what was it 
Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn is exactly similar where I didn't get entrenched with that world long enough to be like, I'm going to do everything. With Ghost of Tsushima, I did. And that's just how the gameplay was and how the world got me in and just the story got me in. I, I loved every bit of it, except just just little bitty translation things. But that's just nitpicky things at, at best. Right. And I think I did bring it up before we actually went live, which was just, you would say that this is... Would you say that this Ghost of Tsushima is basically... Um, what Sekiro wanted to be could have been, or or like a, a more fleshed out Sekiro, basically. Well, for for Sekiro, that was that's a story about. It's fairly similar, actually. It's a story about revenge, basically. Okay, so it's like similar I, in terms of the premise, but the approach was totally different because Sekiro obviously being one with ninjas and doing more of tools. It's not more of a samurai kind of thing. While with ghosts, they they do heavy and harp on the thing of having honor and what what's the line of, well, if if it's going to save my land, should I disregard my honor kind of thing? And I like the characters and the secondary characters in Ghost compared to Sekiro. Because can you tell me a secondary character that isn't the old man and the lady that gives you health? <laughs> no, not unless like, not not unless the general warlord. That's the thing. I can't even. It's just like I know the archetype of the thing that I encountered. I can't tell you what its name was, but yeah, you have the kid. You have the kid. You have the guy that's training on the top of the mountain next to the next to the the old man and the the lady that gives you the healing stuff <laughs> uh so it's it's very much I, just that's from software style and everything about yeah. it's from software which sometimes works for me but it's it's usually so oppressive I and mean, one thing that really stuck out to me just from looking at kind of pre-release material of ghost of tsushima was how lush it looked and even just in cursory oh. glances at people's streams of the game it looks so tremendously colorful which is such a breath of fresh air yeah this is a beautiful game this is a beautiful game with this there's there's this thing where like sony and like more modern games now have been putting in is the cinema modes of camera stuff and taking screenshots of stuff that's happening in the game and this is built right in you can just push a button and literally go straight to cinema mode you can take a picture of what's happening everything pauses you can take a picture of the sunset there's like a bunch of pictures of like elk and deer being being right in front of a sunset that's happening in second it's just beautiful and I, I really did like what they did with Ghost so much more than Sekiro. And not to to do shame from software because Sekiro is the, 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 the game that I invested in the most out of all four of their Souls-style games. 
besides Demon Souls. I know, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> but you're certainly excited for the HD remake of Demon Souls in that case. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to break my controller in half. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to fight the flying manta ray again. Oh, boy. But, yeah, I mean, this was a nice dub end to what the PS4 was. And if they make it into a series, uh, I'll be more to it. But if they just have it as a one-off, then that's fine. Because how they made the story, they could do a sequel, but they kind of left it open-ended to be like, okay, well, you guys don't need a sequel. But if we want to, we are open to that possibility. But it'll probably only be for PS5. I don't think they'll they'll do a a PS4 thing anyway. So But besides Ghost of Tsushima because I've been playing hardcore on that game. I, I, I was going to say I'm like you played more than Ghost of Tsushima somehow in the past week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th- th- this is another thing that I've been doing. If I haven't been playing hardcore on any other game, I've been playing NBA 2K20. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and because the NBA season started this past week, I I was like I'm going to start playing NBA again. So it's it's fun. I've I've I like doing the. I love doing the story modes of these series because it's just like so bombastic and so over the the edge with how oh, I gotta take my shot. How am I gonna get into the draft? And basically, this year's story because you weren't here last time is you're you're a college person and your coach screwed you over on a set of ideals, and then. You're like, oh, I don't want to join the college team no more. And then you go to the NBA draft and then you get drafted. And then surprise, surprise, your college coach is just now your NBA team coach. And hilarity ensues from that. So it's it's pretty fun regardless after that. You know, I, I too played the sports game this week. Uh, I finally downloaded the the NES Classic Pack from the uh, Switch store, and I, I played tennis. <laughs> I thought you were going to say stadium events, <laughs> since we're not having an Olympics. We're not having Olympics this year. Let's play stadium events. You know that would have actually been a clever thing for me to play, but no, I was like, you know, I have a tennis court right outside, and I know how to play tennis. But let's play digital tennis for a change. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> Uh, the amount of times that I mostly whiffed on serves is actually very, very true to life. Uh, I think that is one of the most realistic tennis games I ever played. <laughs> so that was a shocking revelation, but sorry for, for peeling you off of NBA. Um, no, 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 it's fine. Like, after after this, like, I don't know what they're going to do because sports is just so weird this year. <laughs> Welcome to... Uh, self-isolation 2021 on the switch yep 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 yep, yeah that's self-isolation simulator 2021 but besides that i've actually i've been doing a lot of reading too i've gone through three light novels and i am going to start the the first witcher book I think I actually saw you tweet about that. It sounded like you actually got through um, that time I got reincarnated by a slime and actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep, I really enjoyed the um, the show for that one. So 
Yeah, so the the first volume goes through the first like six episodes. So when you, when they f- killed Ifrit, that was the first. That's the first volume. So I don't hmm. know anything after that. So I I I don't watch any of these shows. I've been just reading it. Anything that I have read that does have an anime, I've been kind of following along with it after after I read it. So that's probably the better way to do it because there's so many um, back in the day. Yep. I remember early high school, I think, is when I actually had a subscription to Shonen Jump magazine. And that's where I discovered a bunch of anime that I had never seen before in the manga. So I I had my first experiences with uh, Berserk, Claymore, uh, Death Note, Mm. One Piece. I had never seen One Piece before the manga that I read, uh, which I think Mm. was one of the first seasons of it. So I had read all of these before watching the anime, and then I went watch the anime for all of them and now i'm sitting here going like man it was a good manga and a good anime but i don't know if i could go and read the manga now that i have seen the anime because i feel like i'm just regressing back to what if it wasn't animated like unless i know for a fact that there's huge swaths of plot that are missing from the finished product like with berserk where i know that basically all i saw was a golden arc and that was it uh, i don't know if there's really like a lot of those, I don't know if there's much merit to going and reading the manga if you've already seen the anime. Yeah, like there's there's simple s- s- couple of things that they they included in the in the the books and the novels that they don't put in the anime. So, like for example, I read How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, and they mentioned certain things that they do in the anime, but much, much later than what they did in the novel. So, like, for example, it's basically a guy that that is level 150 in this MMORPG and is basically a quote-unquote demon lord. And he, he references that, the, how much of a high level he is numerous times throughout the, the novel. And they only mention it like the f- like two or three times around w- in the anime of what I was reading when he had at least mentioned it already a handful of times. They even that's... showed how much of it, how much of his skill is different compared to the other two people. That's that's he, really he amazing. Demonst- he demonstrates his power like I want to say like twenty or thirty pages in when he gets into this new world, and. They they just glancingly skipped over that, and the first part of his powers of showing how powerful he was was much later at the end of the episode. So, but yeah, it's uh, I've been going through that. I've been all, all I've been doing is just reading Isekai, and I'm getting freaking irritated about it. A lot of people have been mentioning that they're like sick about the fact that it's Isekai, but I've I think to me it it really just depends on what what the premise of the isekai was some of them are really vapidly like okay right like reincarnated by a slime was good because it went in unexpected directions with that premise um i think reincarnated as a villainous was also another one that was really good because it took the premise and kind of ran completely not where i thought it would with it Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting. Like I I rather have it just be set in fantasy world, not be isekai. That's why I really liked Goblin Slayer a lot. 
because it's not isekai. It's just a fantasy world that is very heavily based on D and D. So I mean, I guess, I guess part of the problem is that in a lot of these cases where it's like, okay, it's an isekai. I can think of a handful of isekais that I watched recently that I enjoyed a lot, but also if I pull it into its barebone materials, I could go, well, did this have to be an isekai? Like, how many times over the span of this entire anime or manga did the fact that they came from another world come into play at all? And how much of it was literally just a fantasy story, and sometimes the fact that it was an isekai allowed for convenient... um, deus ex machinas of oh because i live in another world this reminds me of this thing that i know that i otherwise would not know so that i can mm. conveniently resolve this major conflict in this episode right um yeah. i think it's yeah i can see why it would get frustrating purely from like a that's just there as a convenient writing tool to pull out of their ass whenever they want but yeah so that, the next book i'm reading is konosuba and that uh, th- it's another isekai. It should be, it's fun. Another it's a, should be it's fun. It's a very, very, it's a very popular series. I know that for that much, and I, I, I also like. I have also finished after this was. Um, do you like, do you like your mom's two hit multi hit attack? Or oh, what the hell? It's like like visual light novels, and they're just blumblastic random assortment of titles is just simply amazing oh i know but it's it's interesting that one is also a, a, an isekai but it's based in mmorpg stuff so i know that it's, one of the more popular ones that came out this season was um is it wrong to pick up girls in, in a, dungeon. a dungeon in another world i was like um <laughs> yes i don't know the answer to this question but also you're like the 50th isekai whose title doesn't tell me what the hell this is yeah so it's it's interesting so like i've been picking up these series and i've been reading i'm on like my eighth series in like a month and a half i think so i think i've actually noticed a trend where it's like basically for the past few years there's been a huge like just explosion of isekai and oddly like survival like like wilderness survival or practical anime or mangas where it's like hey we're gonna teach you how to camp we're gonna teach you how to fish yeah i think the survival aspect comes from like the whole battle royale booms oh you really think that it's like those two are tied together interesting but Back to games, anyway. <laughs> the many ways that video games have influenced anime in the past decade. Go. <laughs> oh boy, we you can you can just play Jump Force and you can see that how amazing a train wreck that is. I'm so disappointed and shocked that that was uh, a train wreck because I really wanted. I love the idea of like being able to play Naruto and then go toe to toe. With the virtual blue eyes white dragon from Kaiba, and just go and wallop on the the physical person holding a children's card game in his hand, being like, "I will defeat you." Yeah. Well, you just wail on him. I don't know. It, it sounds like it could have been good. I don't. Did they have light Yagami in that? Like, could you just death know people in that? 
Yeah, but he's more of a side character in the uh, story. So he's more of a a story person than an actual fighter. <laughs> no, but I guess that makes sense. It makes total sense, but still. Um, uh, you know what's funny is they there's a clothing company that is selling the the style of watch that L or that Light has. Wasn't that just a Rolex? It, like, no, it's like a regular watch that you oh, where it like opens, pops up the the bottom half for the note. Oh yeah, yeah, I did think that was pretty cool. Yeah, so there's watches for that now. It's three hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> That's really not that extravagant for a watch, but it depends on if the fact that it has a clever gizmo in it means that they cheaped out on things like materials which they almost certainly did because the gimmick is it's a death note watch not that it's a an actually good watch <laughs> but it's not water resistant <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean like, continuing on from that there's there's a couple things in the gaming world that did happen since we've last talked about and one of them is the lovely microsoft showcase that they have for the xbox series x for a first party and there, there was a couple things of note here that they, they actually mentioned in the pre-show that is really good. First off, they are gonna get Dragon Quest Eleven at Ooh. the end of the year. It's gonna be available on PC, so possibly you could play it. Timber. <laughs> I mean, All these games are going to be available for PC as well. I, I, I that is wonderful. Uh, I I just wish that I was into the Dragon Quest series so that I could actually celebrate that. There's a ton yeah. of them already on PC that I still have yet to play. I mean, we're on Dragon Quest Eleven, it looks like, yeah. and Eleven S. But uh, what what else have we? Like, how many titles did they actually announce? And uh... there's quite a good handful of them. Uh, there there's this other game called Balan or Balan. Wonder World, which is very interesting. This is something from Square Enix where Yuji Naka and Naoto Oshima are teaming up. If you guys don't know who they are, they are the Sonic and Knight co-creators. And they basically made a new subdivision within Square Enix called the Balan Company, which is going to be this. And they are tackling this new project, which is just Knights 2.0. So... They, they dropped the trailer for it. It looks very Knights-inspired, so if you guys do like Knights, go right ahead. They're making a Hellblade 2. Sorry. Yeah, they're making a Hellblade 2. <laughs> Sorry, I was just perusing through the list, and I saw that, and immediately was like, shit, dude, I need that one. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so they're making, they're making that. Of course, the first thing that they opened up was Halo Infinite, and there was some backlash with that. I... I don't know if you really care about this, but personally, I don't really care about this. I haven't been a Halo even though, ever. Even though I'm more of a Sony fan, a lot of the Sony people were pointing out that the graphics for this didn't really look too good, according to some people. But this is a game... Uh, I, I'm just thinking of it at as this point. This is a game that is being able to play cross-gen across three different platforms pc xbox one and xbox series x even though they they keep on saying that xbox series x and xbox one are the same thing but 
obviously when they're playing this kind of game they have to be able to be able to play on both and because series x's and their 16 and a half teraflops of power that they keep on claiming to have isn't as strong as xbox one was there is going to be some differentiation on graphics but one thing to note here it is going to be somewhat semi-open world as well and that's very interesting for a halo game i don't know it seems like a more back to basics to what halo needs to be and i'm fine with that i'm more of a multiplayer guy but it's it's fine yeah i don't i don't have a lot of excitement for halo i know that there are a couple of halo games that have come out recently that were uh that people were really gripped by but the one halo game i played and and somebody's gonna say you did it wrong and they're probably right but the only halo game i ever played was halo 3 which in many people's eyes from what i understood is the best one. Oh no it is like i've jumped on from halo 3 i know of halo from 1 and 2 but 3 was the first one that i actually went through played the game i even got the stupid collector collector's <laughs> oh, edition no. with the, the, the helmet oh, wow. but hey i got i got that for 40 bucks on blockbusters closing industry deals oh. so suck it <laughs> And I've gotten almost every single collector's edition from Halo since then. But so I, I, three was a masterpiece in my mind. So I thought but if you continued on with ODST and Reach, Reach was probably the best game in my opinion. I heard a lot of people say ODST was really good. Um, I just ODST was great for for its um, differentiation from the franchise at that time. I think it was just the the death of the first person shooter as a genre that I really participated in too much. That is ultimately why I never got too much into Halo. I played Halo Three, and then after that, I think I played Team Fortress Two. I played Overwatch, um, but it really turned into more of like okay, FPS games are my multiplayer thing, and I'm not much of a multiplayer gamer, so that just kind of withered and died for me. Maybe I should give ODST a try. But to me, Halo 3 just felt like a shitty bang bang haha funny alien go boom game. Uh, <laughs> ODST is very interesting because it it's it kind of it's kind of like what Infinite is trying to do, where it has like a an open world of how you approach stuff. You can do minor tasks and minor things that can help you along the way, or not. You could be like go to point A to B. Or you can go to point A, B, C, D, E, F, G and get there to to the end eventually. That's what I did like about ODST because it invested so much into these minor little things. So it ODST for me was a really good game because it, the story of how they... The approach of story was very different from what they've, they've done beforehand and that carried on to Reach was because you're not playing Chief. For the most part, you're playing. You're playing a human. I do. That was the whole thing for them. I, I do kind of want to know at what point are we going to stop the almost comical description of games as open world? I know for a good stretch of time, calling an open world game mm-hmm. meant that there were like certain boxes that were being checked about what that means. Like you can go anywhere, you can do this thing or that thing or that thing. It's up to you. That's what makes it open and a world. 
But as more and mm. more games have kind of tacked on this title and become open world games, the more it makes me kind of go like, so if you go back into like the dated history of video games all the way to like the early 90s where it was like, You'd play a game, and it's like a maze where you're walking through, like, a cavern. And then the second one comes out, and they go, Now you can actually go outside. This is an outside RPG, right? Like, they they would actually just emphasize this marketing bullet point. So now we've entered an era where games are finally no longer linear corridors that try to pretend to be worlds and are, in fact, just big worlds. How many more years until developers just go, Well, this is just what all games are now open world is not a definition of uh, that, that differentiates you from the competition because every single game is developed with the same philosophy i think they tried to do that with no man's sky <laughs> where if it gets to the point that you're having these self-generated areas and not just worlds it's getting to that point that almost every single game is becoming like this right because that's just where we've we've gotten to the combination of enhanced tools as well as just the expectations mm. from from players they want to have so, large me, worlds to invest me, themselves me, in their rpgs let me let me ask you this question then would you say sekiro is an open world game it's i would i would say it's an open world like i wouldn't call it an open world because the yeah like for for me an open world game it's like what you said with the checkboxes. You need to have some sort of collectible, be able to go from here to all the way to the end of the earth without dying, to my point of view, and have these so quote-unquote towers. And that's that's what I did like from Ghost is they didn't have towers, but and you were able to go from point to point. But it's... It's going to get to that point that almost every game is going to do this. And look at the last two big games that Sony released, which was Ghost and Last of Us. Last of Us ends up being somewhat open world. It's basically a whole map of like Portland, Oregon, or Oregon which, in general. Which is wildly surprising to me coming from the first Last of Us, which was very much a corridor. Yeah. Yeah, it they started doing this approach around Uncharted. That's why. Okay. Where you could there's objectives that you can go and do, and it, there's story beats, or you can do these side stuff, and shenanigans ensued. Like Uncharted Four, like threw me off from that also, but apparently they worked on that even more so for The Last of Us. But. For for your topic of when does every game become an open world, I think if you're not a AAA developer, yes, this is every true. AAA game is 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 pretty much becoming that now. But if you're not a AAA developer, maybe this is this was their way of combating indie, which is to be like indies can't do this, so we're gonna yep. do it because they don't have the yeah, budget I, to make a giant world. They have to be something like this linear or at least make some compromise to make it work in a lot of cases. Um, speaking about the, the games, though, I've got to say they do have kind of an all-star list here. I mean, yes. the first Fable so, game to come out. I don't know. They said it's a reboot, so I'm worried that this might just be like an, an HD remake of the first Fable, which would be kind of a cop-out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. That was their one more thing that they, they ended on. 
and it'll be interesting. There are a couple outliers here, obviously. For me personally, it, it there's there's two, two or three. First of all, is Tetris Effect Connected, which is a new cooperative and more multiplayer way to play Tetris Effect, and a brand new single player thing with more tracks and stuff. And it has like a three player like versus mode or a three player combined mode where it's three boards into one and everyone can share pieces and you're trying to work together to make your lines all the way across all three boards filled so that's very very interesting and very something i would like to to play and obviously fantasy star online 2 new genesis so this is very very interesting for me because Fantasy Star Online 2 just came out here in the West not too long ago. And New Genesis is probably the fruits of the labors of all these partnerships that they were doing with Microsoft. Because New Genesis is basically a realm reborn for Final Fantasy XIV for Fantasy Star Online 2. You can take your character from Fantasy Star Online 2 and move him over, him or her or it over because it could be a robot also, to New Genesis. You're your level is going to start all over. You're, you're not going to be able to keep any of your money. You'll be able to keep some cosmetic things and some of your mags, so the little, little pets, that'll be able to come over. But everything else is a brand new game. You're basically starting over from scratch with enhanced graphics, better every balancing that they did for from fantasies star online to the the western release to that is coming to here and it's very very interesting and i am i for one am very interested how they're going to do this because they are going to be running two separate games at this point they're going to be running fantasy star online 2 and new genesis separately they're not going to kill off online 2 at the moment from that's what they're saying so I, for one, as a, as a person that very much didn't like the art style to regular Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis looks very hopeful, and I might jump over to New Genesis when it comes out. I see some stuff in this list that, that uh, even Kyo would probably yeah. like. So, so there, there there's this game called The Medium, yeah. which was something that I think... Itches the Silent Hill, yeah, aesthetics to, to a lot of things. It, 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 and it I'm looks just like it looks very. Uh, it it reminds me a lot of like some kind of cross between Silent Hill and PT, and the fact that it actually mm. involves the musical comp- composers from Silent Hill gives me a good feeling about this one. Um, that it that it might actually be the first real successor we've had to that series in a while. Yeah, so I'm. It looks good. I will know. I, there is no way on God's green earth that I will play that game, but yeah, it looks good. I also am tremendous. I, I mentioned Hellblade for a split second earlier. That was one of my favorite games. I don't remember what year it came out in, but I remember when I played Senua's Sacrifice, I that game blew mm. me away. It wasn't the gameplay. like The gameplay of it was very much just a kind of standard fare in terms of what you were doing with the combat. But it was so unique in how it put you in the mind of a psychologically traumatized character and how the world shifts for you as that character 
because of that destabilization that made it so unique. Uh, I'm sure that Hellblade 2 isn't going to feel as unique since it's a sequel, but I am curious to see where they would take it from there. So I would, I would certainly be checking that one out. Stalker 2. I. It's kind of weird because as somebody who's really uh, been very, very much a proponent of the Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl is like one of the best shooty open world games I ever played. It trumps Fallout hands down. But... I also got my fill from Shadow Chernobyl because I could never go on to actually play Call of Pripyat or Clear Sky, which were the, the kind of the sequels to that. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to be different about Stalker that would make me want to go back. Uh, I guess if they managed to make the game not have quite so many bugs, maybe that would be a good selling point because that was definitely not a clean game in terms of its running functionality. I don't know where they're going to take the story. So there's, I'm a little concerned about that one just because the, I don't know the, where they take it from. But Yeah, there, there's a couple things that is very concerning for me from this from this presentation. First and foremost, Xbox and Sony, for that matter, eat a bag of dicks and just release the, the release date for these consoles and the price already because this Cold War dick contest that you guys are having right now, it's it's getting too much already just drop it and just let bygones be bygones at this point and second of all besides halo and possibly tetris there was only a handful of games that had actual gameplay being shown through these presentation everything else was a movie or just a a render state of decay 3 for example there's no way that game is going to look as good as it looks in the in the release trailer for that. That's what kind of bothered me looking at um, this trailer for Scorn. They describe it as an atmospheric first-person adventure game. So I'm like, first-person adventure. You're I'm listening because that is a genre that has not seen any real action for or attention from AAA in so very long, and it's a genre that I so very much love. But it's um. It's just a cinematic that shows a bunch of like kind of gory stuff going on. I don't really know anything. I didn't learn anything about the story. I didn't learn anything about the the universe. I don't get to see what the gameplay looks like or the in-game graphics look like. So this may as well have been a like a paragraph paragraph long like descriptor on the back of an ad for the game because I don't know yeah. anything more than I would otherwise. There's like a couple of things that like just stand out to me that I I mean Sony to call spade a spade Sony didn't really do much for their their press release also but they did show a little bit more gameplay that of the competitors that Xbox is showing for example Forza Motorsports they're saying that it's going to be a release game it there's no hub no no gameplay looking thing it just shows a render of the game running in engine which is fine but gran turismo had everything you're it's like you're in the cockpit even though the 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 trailer for that was a little bit longer for gameplay than i would have liked gran turismo actually had gameplay running and it shows what you're looking like when you're riding driving the car compared to forza that was just showing in it in engine cinematics right 
or gameplay. I, I, I feel like it never really the the in-engine stuff never mattered to me with these card games because to be honest, since the PS2 era, for whatever reason, they just really knew how to make the cars look good. Like every single one of these Gran Turismo oh, games yeah. or whatever, I'd look at it and I was like, yeah, that looks like a real car. That looks like a real ass car in a real ass heart, like race way. So you can't yeah. really impress me with a racing game by being like, look, it looks so much more real now. I'm like, does it? Yeah. It's yeah. kind of the same yeah, I mean, shiny metal. You talk, you, what you talking about? The dashboard is like the exact dashboard for the car. <laughs> But there's a couple things that they were trying to show for the Xbox that shows how much powerful this thing was also, which is, uh, for example, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is getting optimized for Series X. It's going to be running at 120 frames per second compared to the 60 that it was for the Xbox One. It'll be able to play at 4K 120 frames. But um, for me, that... Honestly, I am I'm like an umpire. I'm blind to these kind of things. I can't see the difference between 60 and 30. I can't really see it. So that that isn't really a huge thing for me. Actually, my friend gets on my gets on my ass about that because I I bought a PlayStation Pro and he goes, "Can you see the 4K?" I'm like, "And look how nice it is." I'm like, "I honestly I can't." <laughs> Oh, and then there's also, of course, Cyberpunk 2077, which November now. At least they're taking their time. I, I respect the fact that they're taking their time to make it good. I just hope it really will be good after all the waiting. Yeah, I was going to say, what what if it doesn't lead up to your guys' expectation? Me, personally, I could care a flying batute about this, this series because I just don't... I don't like Cyberpunk, so... <laughs> I think, to me, it depends on what they do with it. Like... I don't have much expectation other than just I like the developer. In terms of the cyberpunk aesthetic, it's like I don't necessarily care that it's cyberpunk, but I know that CD Projekt Red knows how to tell a good story. So if they can give me that, they, and they've got you know they've got um, Keanu Reeves in there, I don't know if it really can fail my expectations I, I don't i don't know if it can i don't know what it would have to do for me to be disappointed in what it's going to be because everything about it looks up my alley in terms of just how it plays and and kind of what's gonna happen in it but we'll see uh i yeah so uh, that that's the major thing here and before we kind of get away on this i kind of want to briefly talk about this i don't know if you you'll really care about this so over the weekend they had this huge japanese fighting game publisher roundtable which was something very very interesting in the japanese side of things because companies like this don't usually get together and do this so one of the things was they had they had a couple of the bigger fighting game publishers there so they had arc system works they had bandai namco they had capcom they had koei tecmo games and snk and then akira if you guys don't know who akira is uh or arika sorry arika arika does the fighting ex layer games and of the fighting ex series so if you guys don't know it was a it's a minute 
2D fighter game that kind of came during the PS2 era. So, so they have like all the people from Arc System. So they have the guy from that's doing Guilty Gear and the battle director for that. They have Harada, who is the series chief producer for Tekken. They have Okubo, who does. So Calibur 4 and both producers for Street Fighter 5, They're Alive 6 producer, which was very interesting because they pretty much killed They're Alive 6, but that's neither here nor there. They have both the producers and director for SNK for for King of Fighters and stuff. So it's very interesting because they talked about fighting games as a whole and what does the fighting games genre need to do to kind of thrive in this this in the upcoming next gen or next era of gaming so to speak and they had a couple things well first was the cross cross platform talking and i i really did like what they talked about for cross platform and just a couple things that hey it's not up to us pretty much to kind of make it it's up to the first party so it needs to be sony nintendo and microsoft being able to play nice to each other kind of thing because there are certain certain games or certain fighting games that they have their own out of out of ip login that such as the power ranger fighting game they make you sign in with this new launcher and you use that launcher to carry all your records to whatever system you're playing they need to have that standardized. If they can, if they can have that standardized, then they'll be all set. But one very interesting thing that I've I'd like to talk to. Well, you, I guess I, I would have liked to have talked to Kyo about this. <laughs> oh too yeah, you know it's not, fine. Not I really. It. Kyo's Kyo's the favorite. I'm just. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're just there. No, if we will have fangirl <laughs> because I know this isn't a genre that you guys don't play. Hey, I'll have you know that I own so. Soul Calibur f- Six. That's the newest one. Yes, I own it. <laughs> Yes, I, haven't, I haven't you played own it. it yet, but Geralt was on the cover, so I had to. And I also did play Soul Calibur <laughs> 3 and 2 and Street Fighter 4. So say, it's not like I'm totally in the dark here. Oh, totally in the dark. Okay, but so they, they, speaking of which, but they were saying, how do they approach new games to newcomers without alienating the old gamers or the the so-called pro gamers for these fighting games and would they sacrifice new coming new players to the game or just to keep the old ones happy or will they take off the old player to make their their net more accessible so to speak so would you be willing to play Tekken 7 or Tekken 8 if they make a new Tekken which they probably will a Tekken 8 if it was a little bit more streamlined for you, for someone who hasn't played the Tekken series in a while, or would you be kind of razzled if you were with the series for a long time for like a strategy game and they made it much more easier, but made it more dumbed down towards someone who's already used to the system? So I, I'm always opposed to the idea of dumbing down systems because it reduces the um, complexity and the... I'm so smart effect with video games that I feel the further we get away from 
the glory days of early PC gaming, the closer we get to this kind of lowest common denominator game where it's like, okay, you have five buttons and they always do this jumps, this rolls, this, like everything gets standardized over time to try and appeal to the lowest common denominator because the more standardized it is, the easier it is for people to jump from one title to another. But then that lack of variety and diversity means that I almost feel like I'm using the same pathways over and over in my in my brain, right? They get worn, there's not, I'm not learning anything, I'm not pushing any boundaries with what I'm doing because it's literally the same thing with a different coat of paint on it. Uh, so I'm always opposed to that kind of transition. What I will say is um, one idea that I that I thought maybe they they might do or would be a cool implementation would be just what if there was a streamlined option, right, where you could tick on kind of like what they did with Mario Kart. They have they actually have done this with the Mario Kart games where they're like, hey, are you somebody who hasn't played Mario Kart before or is too young to know how to play it well, well, you can turn on auto-drive and auto-steer, and these these things will make it so that you don't have to make as many deliberate decisions on the drive. And as a result, you're less likely to win the race because you're not driving optimally, but you're at least staying on the road so you can have fun playing. And I think if they were to do a similar thing in the context of fighting games, where it's like, here, we've made it simpler, you don't have 50 combos because you opted in to having the the streamlined way to play where you have seven combos you can do, they are halfway decent combos that you can still play effectively with, but someone who's really skilled at the game will still be able to beat you if they know the ins and outs of the game so that it's still kind of a balanced and fair experience for everyone whilst making it approachable for the newcomer. Honestly, I would just keep... I would keep servers like that separate. I if, think... If someone who has a, has a a streamlined option in can only face people who also have streamlined options because... I've, well, it gets into the thing of pride kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> Where like, oh, you find out that this person is a streamlined player, then you're like butt hurt and kind of, kind of antsy about it. it. It's it's. I, can I, see I worked how hard to. Game... I worked hard to learn how to hadouken, and you can just hadouken with a. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like for example, like certain like inputs are like really challenging. I I understand that. Like for example, when when Terry Bogart got added to Smash, his inputs probably no one in Smash never knew how to properly put in because you're doing half circles and quarter circle backs. It's something that you don't normally do in Smash. And I mean, obviously, Smash also has a kind of they they're kind of perfect with this because. They have a streamline button where they have the Hadouken as an as a B button, or you can do a powerful Hadouken if you know how to do the the inputs correctly. I kind of like it like that. <laughs> where also for like Terry Bogart, where they do have a just press B button, but if you know how to do the inputs correctly, plus B, it does a quote unquote point three percent more damage. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that working, and and maybe they could do a similar thing 
with the streamlined version it's like hey it's simpler but your damage is reduced so that the yeah. other player has a better chance of trumping you if they can get in on you because you're using the streamlined setup so you're not able to dish out the same amount of damage mm. yeah it's it's very interesting like like i said i would i would like to I would like to hear what you guys think about this. If you guys have any options in the comments <laughs> or just in Kyo's inbox, I would like to talk about this again because, you know, fighting the fighting game community is very interesting on how they approach new players when they come to these newer games. Like, for example, Dead or Alive. I know for a fact that my friend will not play Dead or Alive for me, with me because, well... He thinks it's just tits and ass, but <laughs> the video game there. But also because the combo system is just too convoluted, and the countering system is too convoluted. I don't think so, but I've been I was grown to play Dead or Alive since DOA two for the PS two. So <laughs> wasn't the wasn't the bad reputation for Dead or Alive a product of the fact that they made a fan servicey like Dead or Alive yep, on the, the beach game where it's hey like just man. volleyball? Hey man. That was the best game ever because you can play, you can play roulette and casino and all kinds of games. That's the best game to do that. Love the roulette. That's why I played Dead or Alive on the beach. Definitely the beach volleyball there. is stupid. I want to play roulette. Definitely. I want to gamble. <laughs> but this is something something I want to talk to you guys about later on because I I would like to include the other two. In, in this kind of co- topic as well because you guys aren't really into the fighting game community as well I'm not even as entrenched as some other people but I know a little bit more than the common the common person about right. it the thing the so. thing for me with fighting games I do not dislike them but to me they are party games I will play them with other people and sometimes we'll get especially if like back in the day when I had uh roommates it'd be a daily thing where it's like hey let's let's play soul caliber 3 and then oh like, yeah i'll i'll beat the hell out of them and then eventually they're like well i just figured out how to play with um astaroth and i'm like oh let's see and then he figured out how to knee spam me to death and i went great now i gotta find out how to counter that <laughs> so yeah, no exactly that's how it was for me because right when marvel 2 was in its in his hype years, right around the time of high school-ish years, it was just all Marvel and all all that, and it it was like seeing how my friends were beating me and it makes me want to go go and try beat them. It's yeah. interesting. I'm more of a a Blaze Blue character. I'm more of a I'm more of a Arc System Works fighting anime fighter game. So Guilty Gear, the new Guilty Gear, it looks fucking amazing, and I can't wait for that game. But I think it it's... was... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was, I was kind of going off on a, a different tangent here, but I I think one of the most interesting things growing up in, in this particular era, going from, like, the 90s pre-internet to evolving into a fully gl- kind of globalized world uh, in gaming is that I got to see an evolution of gaming skill level and what it means to be on internet side of the fence versus those who never really got there and kind of seen the caps bridged uh i remember playing a lot of the original call of duty right 
and I wasn't particularly competitive at it, but I played it a lot, and I played it in multiplayer a lot. So I'd get into lots of matches. We'd do Search and Destroy. I joined a clan for a bit, so I learned how to coordinate with team members. And I got to a point where we were usually losing, but I felt myself tangibly improving. And then one day, I went to some kind of uh, gaming camp, right? And they had this tournament where we were all supposed to play one another, and it was... It was a statewide event, so I played against all of the people who were roughly the same age as me in the state to compete to be able to play at a national level or whatever. And I completely obliterated everyone in this competition, even though I wasn't, I didn't think of myself as good at Call of Duty, but just because I, you know, I don't know what everybody else's experiences with, with the game were, but just because I had played online against all kinds of people from all over the world whose skill levels could be from absolute hot garbage to maybe a pro player. I was off the charts compared to people in my in my state who who were the same age as me, same situation as me. But I, I don't think that would happen anymore. Like in 2020, I think pretty much everybody who plays a game has probably played that game online if it had a multiplayer component. Like it's not a mysterious like black box scenario where oh you played online that means that you're like you you've experienced how to play games on, on a different level right when you play online that was kind of like the rift in the, in the early 2000s which i which was just a really interesting period and well, I, it's it's interesting i think with shooters it's like that but the, the fighting game community has just the awful netcode which they're trying to they're trying to patch right now and they've only been playing in persons and it's kind of interesting to see that because i'm i'm, I'm going to talk about Tekken 7 for a bit here where we had this pakistanian player he is currently number 7 in the world uh for his win records for the game and it's he only played Tekken 7 because that was the only game they have <laughs> And there's no internet. There's not much of an internet presence over there. And they would only play that game. Same for Korea. Korea has been known to be a beast of these fighting games because they don't play online. They only play in person and in land battles and stuff like that. So it's it's very interesting for for fighting games like that to take the opposite effect. Yeah. But with the Western style, they have better netcode. But it's it's the Japanese style fighting games; they don't really have decent netcode. But that would make me but infinitely yeah, just... that would make me infinitely more nervous if I was about to be like, and now you're going to the fighting game global tournament, and the only experience you've ever had, yeah, you go to <laughs> Evo, and the only experience you've ever had is playing against people who were like in the same cul-de-sac as you, right? You're just like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the great thing for Evo, though, too, because you, you're you able to go as a nobody and at least try to make placements. You might not make, you might not make finals, but <laughs> it's interesting to see nonetheless. I mean, I know people from that are from Hawaii that tried to be in tops for Street Fighter Five and Street Fighter Four, for that matter. I mean, he didn't really go do so well, but he's a Cody player. But it's it's interesting to see, nonetheless, that you guys could possibly try and do that. And did you just go? Decent. But he's a Cody player, so that makes sense. 
<laughs> oh boy. I'm just I just I'm just taking digs at Cody players because I hate mm. Cody. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, well we'll we'll put a fork in it or or we'll take a stop at this for now and I'll I wanna bring this this question to the other two later on. But with that let's kinda wrap up here and go to questions. Yes. So, it's uh, very questions, interesting because let's see what they've so done. Kyo told me that I have the right to say all the questions. So um let's see here. You At long last the first one you can hear the opinions of Ken and Timber and no one else, and your question will forever no one be else. buried. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so the first one is Horny Kong. When is the next podcast? It's right now. You've done it. So, You're here right now. Right now. It is currently... Uh, Veggie Kong. Veggie Kong. Should I grow mutton chops? I suppose it really depends on why you're asking this question. So, personally, I don't know what you look like, so I don't know. <laughs> I would say yes, but I don't know what you actually look like. <laughs> Based on this picture of an angry possum, I think that the mutton chops could really help with your look. This is Alabama tofu, so... Uh, but I do think... Uh, if you're going to do it, now is the time. You don't have to go out in public so no one will be any wiser about your mutton chops, you know? If you hate them, yeah. you can chop the chops. And no one will be the wiser. Yeah, it's better to grow it out and then just, if you get a bad opinion, then just chop it off after. Then then dwell on the moment of, yeah. oh, should I, should I have grown it? <laughs> I mean, you might never know what mutton chop tofu looks like uh that's you know you, you might that's an it, image that it'll be a mystery for the centuries uh just because you didn't take the initiative to to commit to it now yeah so there's that okay so bird gun kong why is kyo a sad boy i don't know he's just tired he 101 percented donkey kong 64 twice i understand on a whim. <laughs> On a whim. <laughs> Definitely not provoked in any way, shape, or form. Okay, we got another question by Horny Kong. What movie should I watch with my family next Sunday? We just finished Lord of the Ring movie. Movies, Hobbit <laughs> included. We finished Lord of the Ring movie, the one of them. And then I could just one of them. I, I love that because I could just be like, well, boy, have I got some news for you. You like the first There's... one? <laughs> Which one did you watch? Did you watch Return of the King? Well, I have like five more prequel movies for you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, let's see. A movie to watch with your family for next Sunday. So, if you if you want to watch the anime, I would... Weathering for You has just been available for digital streaming. So you can watch that where literally the premise is this guy floods half of Tokyo just to get a girl. So if you want to watch that on that premise, go right ahead. It's done by uh, the guy that did Your Name, so it's supposedly really good. I haven't watched it. <laughs> I watched Enter the Spider-Verse recently, and that was actually really 
surprisingly good. Uh, so if they if they're the kind of people that would enjoy a good uh, a good superhero movie and uh, are also tolerant of the fact that it's in an animated form, uh, that would be my recommendation. It was really I did not expect it to be as good as it was. Have them watch Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Yes. You know what? That's complete actually the edition. Com- complete edition, and just with no explanation, just have them watch it, and they would be like, "What? What is going on? Why is there first? Why is there a a furry fire dog running across the end field?" <laughs> you know, Final Fantasy VII so, yeah. Advent Children was my first exposure to actual Final Fantasy VII lore. And I, I intended to keep oh, it. Oh, you th- must have been confused. <laughs> well, I, I intended to keep it that way. I was like, dude, I'm intrigued. I can't wait for the Final Fantasy VII remake to release. I said at the start of the PS3 era, and now here we are, PS4less, and the start of Final Fantasy VII remake actually releasing. So maybe one day I'll I'll see what it's like. You're hitting my head on the mic. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Are you saying that I should just play the original and and because the the remake doesn't hold a candle? Yeah, at this point. <laughs> okay. Uh, go, you can watch the original Death Note Japanese movies. No. Oh wait, dude, the Japanese ones. Okay, never mind. You, that's fine. You can do that one. I... Oh, oh, I got a movie no, that you can no, watch. No. <laughs> you can watch the hard-hitting M Night Shyamalan movie of Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> Uh, Which reminds me, I finished all of Avatar: Last Airbender. I'm going. I'm halfway through Korra. I'm in chapter book four right now. So, oh, you're actually on on Korra. Hmm. Yeah, I'm on Korra. Have you enjoyed it? Yes, I kind of know what happens at the end for two of the characters. So I'm like, every single time I see those two characters interact, I kind of just giggle and laugh. Both I, me and my friends make very inappropriate jokes about those two characters, but I, I can't. Uh, I, I really have to actually watch Legend of Korra, Be- considering that I'm coming off of like a huge bent of like Avatar: The Last Airbender, greatest thing ever, so good. I just watched it before it was cool, before it was on Netflix, and now everybody's like, you know what? This is actually cool now that it's on Netflix. I'm like, I told you before Netflix did it. But I oh, never I've watched w- it beforehand too. <laughs> but I never, but I never did Korra, um, mostly because. Well, I heard now it you'll of... get that chance in a couple weeks because Korra's coming to Netflix. Oh boy! I finally get to become my worst enemy. <laughs> I get to be. Yeah, there's there's a couple problems that I have with Korra, but and one of it is just pacing. But that's because just how Nick decided to do the series, but. It's neither here nor there. But yeah, uh, either Final Fantasy Advent Children or Avatar The Last Airbender done by M. Night Shyamalan or the Death Note movies, the Japanese ones. You can watch any one of them. You can watch you can watch those. Like, you can watch like, L Changes the World. No, I, you can watch like the to, sequel that happened after. <laughs> I would just like to point out that you are okay with throwing M. Night Shyamalan's Avatar The Last Airbender out as an actual suggestion, but even you cannot say... Oh, you should definitely watch the American remake of Death Note. I feel like that's crossing oh, no. the line. I think uh, there, there's one reaction that Light does in that in that American movie. How I feel of 
what that movie did to my psyche and it's just him screaming like a little baby girl when Ryuk appears but Willem Dafoe as Ryuk was probably the saving grace for that movie <laughs> oh he was definitely yeah I mean that's the only good part of the movie and it's clearly where all the budget went okay another question by Bergung Kong what should we do I don't know the pandemic is boring and games are boring. Read. I've been doing a lot of light novel reading, so there's that. I am a YouTuber streamer, and that is what I do when I am not playing games, is doing the YouTube and doing the streaming. But, and but games are boring, just like Birdgum said. That's true. Games are very boring. Games are for boring people. Um, so if if you are in that situation... I would recommend going on a trail and walking and staring at the trees and thanking each of them for not being a person at that particular moment. What if it's a willow? <laughs> a weeping willow. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I don't know. Read, watch movies, watch TV shows. I don't know. Avatars yeah. on, on Netflix, both, both versions. Uh, involve yourself in your favorite uh, Discord communities. Make sure to share and like and comment on if, all of the content of your favorite content creators. If you feel like paying thirty bucks to Disney, Mulan is going to be on Disney Plus. That was just breaking news this past day. I can't actually give a useful piece of tech, uh, thing here, which is if you're into anime and you have a Crunchyroll subscription and you do not have a VRV subscription. You should definitely cancel your Crunchyroll subscription and get a VRV subscription. At this point, they are $2 apart in terms of cost. VRV gives you really? more actual channels, and you literally get all of Crunchyroll as part of VRV. So there's, like, no reason uh, to just have a Crunchyroll account anymore. Oh, but I don't, I don't watch the other stuff. Yeah, there is that. Um, but the thing is, they also have High Dive on there, which is good if you're somebody who likes having the option to watch dubs, since Crunchyroll usually doesn't actually have dubbed anime at all. What you talking about? They have dubbed anime. Sometimes. They have, they have the, the, the bathhouses of Rome's dubbed, and that scared the bejesus out of me, because I thought it was in Japanese. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm not sure I'm familiar. Yeah. So there's this series called Tarame Roma or something like that. It's it's literally translates to the bathhouses of Rome, and it's a co comedy series of this this Greek architect who is trying to think of what to do with bathhouses gets time traveled to the future of present day Japan and seeing how the bath culture is to the Japanese, and he keeps on thinking that they are slaves. And he just takes all the de designs from the Japanese bathhouses and brings them to the past to, like, when Caesar was alive, Greece, and does really ridiculous comedy stuff. It's very interesting. They made two live-action movies out of it, too. I've actually liked it. Hmm, okay. So. I'll have to check that one out. That sounds really, really unique. Bird Gun Kong asks, if you had 100,000 pounds, <laughs> what... And could buy any game you want. What would you buy and why? Hundred thousand pounds is equivalent to as of August fourth, twenty twenty, to one hundred thirty thousand eight hundred and forty forty eight dollars. So we'll just say one hundred thirty dollars, one hundred thirty thousand dollars. There we go. Sorry. Ugh. 
That's, so, that's a with $130,000, how much would you buy? <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't even, like... I, I had so many deals of things that I just bought in packs on Steam that I already own a ludicrous amount of games that I know I didn't spend that much on. So, mm-hmm. to have all that money, would I actually use it to buy more games when I can't even beat what I already own? Well, at that point, I would just invest in stuff that, of my childhood. Like, for example, like I would buy those those one-up arcade machine things. Like, the, the oh, Capcom, yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom one looks fucking amazing, and I would love to have that. Okay, so, but for personally, sure... Personally, I wouldn't be able to get that. For sure, I would buy the um, the Jurassic Park arcade cabinet, the one where, like, you have the, like, you have the guns, and it's, like, a park yeah, jeep, yeah, and you yeah. ride around and shoot the dinos. Like, that's just... That is the one thing I always go to whenever I go to, like, a Dave & Buster's, and I would love to just have one for myself. Then it's just like, why even go to Dave & Buster's? I could just have beer and then go yeah. play the Jurassic Park arcade machine right here. I would also buy the Star Wars Episode One racer game, arcade game, oh, where yes. it has, yeah, the little things on the... Mm-hmm. Where you can go at boost and you can check you can check your throttle and stuff like that. That was amazing at the time. Those hurt my I'd butt. Those. those hurt my butt, but I just kind of chalked it up to you know what? I'll bet a pod racer would hurt my butt too if I was on one. So <laughs> you can just mod it to add any chair you want. <laughs> uh, let's see what else would I buy gaming wise? I don't know. Better computer. My computer's. I think its motherboard is slowly dying, so I guess I would get a better computer. That's the thing. Like, the question is, you could buy any game you wanted. I would more spend that money on the equipment to allow me, you know, future-proofing of being able to play more games. I would probably update my my rig since I'm running a dated motherboard right now. I would probably invest in a PS5 um, because that's kind of the next-gen console I would want. I would get every single game done by Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima Collection. Yeah, so even Police Knots and all the original Metal Gears that are on the NSX or whatever. So that will probably run me a penny penny. I would probably do a Metal Gear Collection also. Even the you know what? Uh, visual I have, novel ones. I have the perfect solution. I will use that money to buy every PS2 game known to man. <laughs> because there are... I think... I don't think there's a single console that had more games than the PS2 did in its entire lifespan. Yeah. So that would be pretty interesting. I would also buy every single copy of the Final Fantasy Black Label Edition. So Final Fantasy Seven <laughs> Black Label that would be nice. Is there any advantage to having a black label version? Mm, just prestige. Oh, prestige, and they do patch certain things from from the games, depending on which ones you have. Like like Easter egg patches, or just like they fixed bugs, kind of thing. They fi- they fixed a bug, like a translating error, just like minor stuff. Mm. So the, er- the, er- would, the early days of another, games of a service. I would get another Pokemon Snap machine because why the hell not at this point? <laughs> Mod it so that it can run the HD Pokemon Snap that's coming out so you uh, get yeah, the full experience. So <laughs> I can get the f- photos for it. I'm just, I'm just like, I guess, arcade machines and a pinball. I, w- I wouldn't mind a, uh, a pinball machine. 
Yeah, I mean, at that... Just random, random stuff. <laughs> I think it's fair to say pretty much any gamer with that kind of money specifically set aside for buying games is going to be buying arcade machines because no game's going to come close or even collection of games will come close to actually exhausting that supply. Yeah, because I was going to say, if it's only games, it's going to get to the point that you're just buying physical machines at this point. Or it can get like those Taito like arcade machines that you can swap the the motherboards with so that you can play any games. So they actually have those shops in Japan where they have the, the they have the boards that you can swap in and out as long as you have the machine that the board can make that can play it. So you know, for the sake very very interesting for the sake of my nostalgia, I'll spend that money on getting like eight. 90s PCs. I'll set them up inside of little office cubicles in a rented office space. Then I'm going to invite a bunch of people over who I don't know, just a bunch of strangers. I'm going to tell them, hey, I have StarCraft installed on all of these. I want you all to play and record replays of your gameplay. And then once they've all left, I'm going to go and I'm going to watch all the replays. Because when I was a kid, and I went to LAN, like the, the LAN shops. I didn't know how to play most of the games that they had in there because they were always like competitive multiplayer things, and I did not know what the internet was at the time. But I did find the replay button in StarCraft and watch a bunch of people just like <laughs> play games. I was like, this is really entertaining. I'm just watching two, which to me at the time mentally were just like two robots fight each other to the death. Um, it was just very compelling oh. for me. I don't, I don't know how much money this would cost, but I would use it all if I could get this. The original code for Final Fantasy XIV. The original 1.0 code. Why would you want that, though? Because, because it's amazingly bad. <laughs> uh, that's right, actually. I totally forgot. There was basically... That game was bad until they released a very specific expansion that everybody lost their minds over. Wasn't that right? Yep. A Realm Reborn. Yep. So. That was a trash game until they made the expansion, but games as a service. Ding, ding, ding. Well, they had to reboot the entire game. They, <laughs> they had to... You had to buy it again. You couldn't just... You couldn't just legacy go from 14 to Realm Reborn. You had to rebuy a Realm Reborn. <laughs> oh, no. So. Oh, but it was amazing because they did this thing where the last... The last story beat is this giant meteor coming to kill off the world. And if you were online during that live event, you get to see the meteor coming and destroy the world. <laughs> so that was interesting. And then, so continuing on to another question by Bird Kong Kong. Why are we so lame? I don't know. We just are. I don't know what he's talking and about. And thoughts on Fall Guys. I don't. I don't know what that means. Does it like? I think he's saying that Kyo uh, Kyo, Kyo basically uh, had us land on a bomb here. He was like, "Yo, I th I feel like sitting this one out, guys. Uh, take a bullet for me. Take uh, so we're taking that bullet. We're taking that bullet. And yeah. What, and what do what what do we think about us taking the bullet? I don't really. I care. mean, really, we're sparing. <laughs> I mean, really, at this point. Uh, Kyo has been spared from what could have been an entire hour-long conversation about Donkey Kong 64, for all we know. So, I mean, we we actually talked about, like, Outer Wilds. We talked about 
No Man's Sky today? Paper Mario? Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this would be the same podcast if Kyo's here. And then, lastly, by Pudding Kong, how much do you think the new systems are going to be? So, digital, PS4 or PS5 digital edition, 450, PS5 regular 500, Xbox Series is going to probably be around the same series. The the high premium one is probably going to be 500, and they're going to, the lower edge one, they're probably going to downscale it and then have it at 400. Those are some shockingly low numbers that you're predicting considering inflation as well as the component value that they're putting in a lot of these but i could i don't see... think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna do a ps3 thing again they're not gonna do it for 600 dollars. i don't they'll be stupid to do that i agree um if they sure they could go for a lower system price and then just bump up the price of the actual game so that they actually make their profit off of the kind of nickel and diming from individual game purchases rather than the actual uh, and just take a slight loss on the systems themselves hmm. I do and then would you be oh sorry go ahead oh I was just going to say because I do I do remember them noting some pretty awesome technical marvels in, in some of the technology that they have and stuff like the PS5 but uh, go ahead yeah and would you be opposed if AAA games raise their price from $60 to $70? No, I think that's just how the market is going to be at this point. I think all, not just AAA games, just regular games are going to increase in price. If they were $59.99, they're now going to be $69.99. Yeah, I'm not opposed because I know how inflation works and I know that over time things do get more expensive. That's just life. Uh, I do also know that this is the price you pay for buying on release as somebody who constantly has been patient in waiting a bit before for the hype to die down and then picking up a game on a on a stroke sale later uh what it sold for initially doesn't matter to me because i always buy my games at a 70 to 80 percent discount anyway Mm. so but if it was a game that you were to buy on release or near release, I'll still would buy you it. be opposed uh, for that? No, I'll still buy it at 70 If it's something I really wanted, I'll buy it. The $10 doesn't you th- make it prohibitive for do me. You, do you think Nintendo will follow suit with that? Increasing their prices? Because I, they already increased their price for Switch games to $60. Do you think they would arbitrarily to keep into the market go to 70 no because since they're already doing things as they are and turning a good profit they could use it as their continued marketing angle of hey we're the family friendly and also most economical of the three platforms you can choose from right now the games are cheaper Mm. the system's cheaper yeah i guess they're they're also playing a different game compared to the other two so i don't i don't I don't think it's going to be a huge thing there. Yeah, I don't think they would raise prices just to compete with them. I could see them doing it if they transition from the Switch to a new console or some new iteration of Switch. But, like, as of right now, I think that they're not they're not going to adjust the prices on their games yet. But, yeah, I, I think we can call this, this episode a wrap for now. 
Is there anything in the pipeline for you that you would like to bring up? Uh, well, <laughs> I mentioned it earlier, so I don't know if we're just going to play uh, post-edit post, post edit shuffle around, but I have a uh, video that I made picnicking in the world of The Witcher 3 as a peasant, where I actually intentionally tried to make my character as much like a peasant living in that world as possible and see what picnic locations they could feasibly get away with traveling to. And I start, the video starts in Caremore, and that's going to release premiering tomorrow, which by the time this video comes, this podcast comes out, it'll already be live. You can watch it on youtube.com slash Timbertaft, but that's going to be live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, the 5th of August. Otherwise, uh, I'm streaming as usual on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, starting at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern where we're currently cycling through Super Mario Sunshine, which is just on the edge of being completely beaten. I'm just finishing up uh, 100%ing that. Uh, we also have Random Roulette on Thursdays, where I play a random game from my library of games that we cycle through. Right now, people have voted to keep Lands of Lore, the Throne of Chaos, in for a second session because it was shockingly good and much better than its sequel, uh, Guardians of Destiny. So I actually look forward to playing more of that. And uh, we're also playing... What, what else are we playing? I think we were doing Twilight Princess Randomizer, but I kind of dropped that because I, I hit a brick wall with it. So uh, TBD on the next game is going to fill that hole. Uh, what about you, Ken? What, what, are you, what do you have in the pipes or works? Uh, so this happened this past week. Uh, if you guys are listening for on my site for... Ongaku to you. We had this thing called Ongaku Go. So if you guys don't know what that is, Go is five and Ongaku is music. So music five. And that is our top five, I guess, what's in our ears and our our, our so-called playlist of what our top five songs of the month that we've been listening to over and over. If you guys are interested to hear what I've been listening throughout the Japanese music industry, go give that a hear see or look see we included links to apple music so if but the songs are available on spotify as well if you guys are interested but yeah i want to say thank you for joining us on the dynamic duo (laughs) thank you so much ken for uh for being here for for being with me so so this didn't have to be a a, a podcast where where i talk alone uh, I don't know if that would ha- if that could ever happen, and I don't know how that would go. Um, but I think I would sound like a crazy person it, it if would. I was podcasting. It would, it would be like I'm a YouTuber or something, where I'm just talking by oh. myself. But where can we find you on the internets? Twitch.tv slash TimberTaft if you like seeing me live. YouTube.com slash TimberTaft if you like seeing me pre-recorded. Twitter.com slash TimberTaft if you like seeing me being dumb. Discord if you like seeing me be quiet. And, uh, yeah, I think that basically covers it. What about you, Ken? Where, where are the discovery points for, for your lovely content? Well, you can find me on my Japanese music-based podcast, Ongaku to You, where I talk about all the lovely charts of the Japanese music industry and all what's new news with the music industry as a whole. There's a couple things that just shockingly happened over the past month that had ramifications, but it's interesting to hear enough. But you can follow us 
at ongakutoyou.com, where all my lovely ad bits are there about the music industry. You can follow me on Twitter at OTYKen1, where I talk about Bang Dream, Aina Aiba, Bang Dream, Bang Dream, and Xbox One for apparent reason, and CUs, and more Bang Dream. There's there's a common thread there. You happen but, yeah, to you can really find... like Bang Dream. Yeah, just 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 a little bit. You can find Kill at Koryu Hunter and twitch.tv slash Koryu Hunter. You can find the podcast on all the podcast services here, all that lovely stuff. But if you're already listening to it, you already know that. You can find Fangirl at twitch.tv slash Fangirl has no name. You can find her on Twitter at Legend of No One or Legend of One. Wait, hold on. Let me go check that. Legend of No One. That is correct. But yeah, I want to say thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Lamasaurus. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think before we um, before we go, don't we have one more uh, question from the audience here? Oh, oh, I totally forgot about that. Hold on, hold on. Let me bring it up. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Horny Kong. You asked the question of why was the last podcast cut before you answered? And the reason why is...